welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell podcast. I am, as usual, Jodell. And, you know, sometimes you, my listeners, request guests that you would like me to have on and have interviewed. And sometimes I'm actually getting contacted by various bloggers or professionals in the health field or doctors that want to be on the show. And rarely do folks ever come across my email presenting themselves like my next guest did. Um, so I get these emails and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't really want to re- promote this product or have this person on or it doesn't resonate. But as soon as I read his bio and email and, and saw what he was up to, I knew I wanted to have him on the show because I believe he will definitely resonate with you guys, uh, my listeners, and he'll be someone you glean a lot of new fresh ideas about when it comes to optimizing your health, trying some new hacks, figuring out what works for you anecdotally. So I'd like to welcome Michael Coomer, who is a healthy living and technology enthusiast, a professional blogger and vlogger. He's got a lot of great videos on his YouTube channel and quick tips and ideas about how to live in the modern world, but not be affected by it. And he's a proponent of mitigating EMF and blue light, which I love, as well as optimizing sleep, health, and well-being, and has shared the benefits of these strategies multiple times on his different platforms. So I'm excited to have Michael on to speak to you about how EMFs affect your health, how body temperature impacts your sleep, how to live a healthy meat-based lifestyle. You know, I love my meat, so I like to meet those meat-based <laughs> people. So, and how keto actually long-term isn't a great idea. So we're going to hear a little bit about that too. So Michael, let's start there because you, like so many of us at one point in time, tried a ketogenic lifestyle, but ended up feeling like it ultimately led to some more health issues. And yet you found more healing to be stemming from an animal-based eating approach. So tell us about that and maybe some reasons why long-term keto is not so ideal. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me on, the, on, on your podcast. I really appreciate it on your, on your channel. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I started out with my, my entire health journey really started out by, by removing sugars from my diet. That was really the, my, my entry point into, into everything that I do and live now. And from there, I transitioned to a paleo diet and later on to a ketogenic diet before ending up on, as you said, on, a, on an animal-based diet. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I don't necessarily want, I, I might have said it, but I don't necessarily mean that keto is not going to work for anyone long term. I think, and I actually had recently had a chat with, uh, with Don D'Agostino. He's a researcher in the field of uh, low carb eating. And, and he shared some stories of patients that have been on a ketogenic diet for 30 years and they are thriving on it. Um, those were especially those that had, you know, issues that led them to adopt a ketogenic lifestyle. Um, but I've come to realize that it really depends a little bit on what you do and, and how your life looks like, whether or not long-term keto um, is, is, is good for you or is the best diet that you can be on. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of high-intensity workouts. I do CrossFit predominantly. And so I dump a lot of glycogen. Every time I work out you know, and I wear a continuous glucose monitor, I see that my blood sugar spikes um, dramatically and then recovers really quick, but that's just a sign that my body is requiring and using glucose as a form of fuel, right? And so in the absence of dietary carbohydrates, where does my body get the glucose from? Well, it's from glycogen stores in my liver and in my muscle tissue. And once those stores are emptied or partially emptied, they have to be replenished. Mm-hmm. And 
if you don't eat carbs, the body has to make glucose from non-carbohydrate sources. And that's a process called gluconeogenesis. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I thought that's the default metabolic pathway to fuel those cells that require glucose. There are several in the body that cannot thrive on or that cannot use ketones or fatty acids that need glucose. I thought that's the default process. But I've come to realize a little bit that it might be to an extent a backup process. Mm -hmm. So it's not ideal, I think, to rely on gluconeogenesis to you know, support glucose to those organs and cells that, that need it, especially when you dump it every single day, because replenishing those glycogen stores is not something that happens within an hour. You know, it takes a little bit, can take up to 24 hours. So if you work out every single day, roughly at the same time, then, you know, you just replenish your stores and you empty them again. And while that's happening, you might actually feel the downsides or the, the side effects of having, not having enough glucose. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when, when, you know, if you are on a carb-based diet and suddenly you stop eating carbs, you don't feel so great because, you know, your, your body needs glucose and th there is not. And that's the same principle, basically. So for me personally, I've noticed that doing keto long-term in combination with high-intensity workouts uh, where I have to recover fairly quickly before I hit it again is not ideal. Mm -hmm. If you don't do CrossFit, if you don't do any high intensity workouts, if you primarily maybe, if you're an endurance athlete, maybe if you just enjoy walking two hours every day instead of you know hitting a gym, then I think there is a much better compatibility of a ketogenic lifestyle than you know if you're a CrossFit athlete or a sprinter or you know something or someone who who really relies on glucose as a, as a primary source of fuel during those intense exercises. Okay. So it depends a little bit, I guess there is no, and I still have five days, you know, where I don't eat a lot of carbs, especially when I don't work out. And I feel, especially from a mental clarity perspective, I can tell the difference when I'm running on ketones versus when I'm running on sugar, because with sugar, the problem is, you know, if you eat carbs, your blood sugar goes up, then it goes down, then it goes up. And whenever it's down, for a moment un until you stabilize, you might not feel so great. You might feel a little you know, sleepier than usual or more tired with a little bit less energy, maybe a little bit less mental clarity. If your blood sugar is stable all the time, meaning you don't need sugar or carbs, then you don't have those issues. So there are pros and cons. And I think it depends a little bit of, you know, on, on your individual circumstances, whether or not you should be doing keto. Um, or not, or maybe a combination like I do. As I said, you know, and sometimes I eat very few carbs. I'm in ketosis. Other days I eat a lot of carbs and, you know, I, I feel fine too. Mm -hmm. I think the important part really is metabolic flexibility. Yes. At the end of the day, that's what matters because what if, you know, you have to skip a meal? What if, you know, you don't have access to your favorite fruits or whatever the case might be? You don't want to deteriorate and fall apart just because you, you have to skip a meal, right? So metabolic flexibility, the ability of using fat or carbs for fuel, depending on what's available, I think that's really the, the critical point. And if you're metabolically healthy, you are metabolically flexible. If you're not, then, you know, that, that's an issue that should, be, that should be looked at. Absolutely. I love metabolic flexibility. And I, I love that you brought up that we should maybe have some variances in our day because 
in traditionally in the wild, if we didn't have a grocery store that we got to go to every week, we would yeah. have variances. What are you going to find this time of year? You're going to find right. in the summer roots and tubers and fruits, and and you could get some meat too out there too if you if you were a skilled hunter, you know. But in the winter, what do you have access to? You have more of that yeah. access to just killing uh, some meat for your winter, or if you were yeah. lucky enough to can things from the summer, maybe you have a little bit of that, or maybe you have some leftover. Right. but yeah. we, we forget about that because now we live in this modern world where we can go out and get whatever we want but just because yeah. you can have something doesn't mean you should and I can't tell you how many yeah. people myself included that when I took a keto approach a long time ago it would maybe resolve some things like yeah maybe you have the mental clarity but it attacked my adrenals because I needed mm -hmm. as a high intensity person or as a you know and person that teaches fitness classes and I teach all of this this stuff that requires brain power nutrition classes fitness classes education programs I needed that glucose and it kind of wrecked my adrenals and my sleep suffered and everything so um, I see it time and again people coming in with nutrition consultations that have been keto a long time they're like it worked for a while and now it's not working and so that's where i'm glad you mentioned that for a certain population there are those people like epilepsy and other issues mm -hmm. that they can thrive on a keto diet but it doesn't mean that it's for everyone and it has to be done appropriately right. and i think that's the missing button too yeah. is a lot of people think they're doing keto but they're really not mm -hmm. but to that effect it's like if we would look at things from the standpoint of it, am I eating earth-based foods, like something that I could naturally go out in the wild and then make it in my kitchen, even something like orange juice. I mean, you could go and grab oranges mm -hmm. and make your own orange juice, right? But you can't right. make your own Dorito. You can't make your own, you right. know, like keto cupcake, right? You, that, it'd be very yeah. difficult to do that. And so I think mm -hmm. it's really about finding those foods that allow you to have a little bit of that flexibility, like you talked about some ketones one day and maybe a little bit of shifting mm -hmm. to glucose the next day, depending on what your activity is. So, yeah. yeah. And what did you notice going more like animal-based when you shifted from keto to doing more of like an animal-based eating? Um, I felt that my sleep changed. Um, I want to say it improved, not necessarily in terms of how much deeper REM sleep I would get or how much time I would spend in the restorative phases of sleep, but I would have to get up less often and I wake up less often. Or if I wake up, I mean, everyone wakes up, you know, during sleep, during certain cycles, when you're getting, you know, out of deep sleep, maybe out of REM sleep into light sleep, then you might wake up momentarily. Most of the time you don't remember in the morning, but it happens. But what I've noticed is that if, I'm, if I do longer fasts or if I do keto, I tend to run out of glycogen sometime during the night. And yeah. when that happens, my brain senses it and says, something isn't right. We need energy that we don't have right now. And so my cortisol levels would spike. Mm -hmm. And if I wake up during that time, I have trouble falling back asleep. Because I'm, you know, my body is like, okay, we are in, you know, something is not right. We need to do something. Mm -hmm. And if I have carbs before going to bed, then I don't have that. You know, I might still wake up, but I fall, you know, asleep right away um, or fall back asleep right away. And I don't have, I don't stand up. My, my head doesn't start spinning. If I don't have glucose, if I run out of glucose, you know, I, I might be up for half an hour, 45 minutes and 
Some would argue, well, you know, people back in the days, you know, they cut their half in, in uh, they cut the night in half, you know, they would wake up at the midnight, you know, do something and then go back to sleep. I don't know, could be, but I feel like I sleep better. I'm more rested in the morning if I don't have those interruptions. Right. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I can't tell you how many people I've heard from that have that issue of wake of the, why am I waking up in the night? Well, maybe you had more of an active day and you didn't meet those nutritional needs for that day. You were too low in carbohydrates or you were too high right. in something else, you know, and I, what I what I liked about like your earth-based animal based approach is like, I saw a charcuterie board in one of your pictures where you had like, mm -hmm. all these different meats, but you also had some cherries on there. Like you, you, yeah. it's not like you're avoiding foods that are, you know, made with sugar. Like you said, you started this journey, just mm -hmm. lowering your sugar intake, but it sounds like it was more of the processed sugar. You're still getting the good aspects of glucose with honey and fruits and yeah. things like that. Right. Yeah, we have beehives, so you know we we do eat a lot of honey. Uh, we just harvested a um, couple of weeks ago, sixty-five pounds. So we certainly you know do eat honey. Yeah. Um, we do have you know berry bushes and you know apple trees and stuff. So we yes, we eat seasonal fruits. We eat sweet fruits. Um, I don't think the fructose in 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 fruits is bad. Mm -hmm. um, I'm try to we try to stay away from you know as you said before processed stuff things that products that you know I cannot easily make myself by just going outside and you know collecting them gathering them and turning them into something that I can then consume you know mm -hmm. and um, and yeah that I, I do I think that the whole ketogenic ketogenic journey really helped me understand my body better and how it reacts and what it needs and doesn't need. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually currently writing an article about um, how I fixed my IBS or irritable bowel syndrome that I've had for decades until I realized, well, it's actually the food that I eat. Mm -hmm. And in particular, when I, when I started paleo, uh, maybe just to, you know, uh, talk about that for, for a brief moment. In the beginning, paleo for us meant a piece of meat, and maybe grilled vegetables, you know, maybe usually there was zucchini, you know, because we grilled them and, you know, together with a piece of steak was great. That was for us paleo. Mm -hmm. And at some point we, we realized, well, there is actually paleo can be a lot of things. There are cookbooks, how to make stuff paleo friendly, you know, and then suddenly everything can be paleo, you know, and, you know, baking and, and, and cakes and everything is paleo as long as you use the, the right ingredients, so to say. And my issues, and when, when we started paleo, all my issues disappeared, like almost overnight, suddenly no more bloating, abdominal pain, nothing. All of that was gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, paleo fixed it. And suddenly, you know, the paleo diet caused that stuff again. I didn't understand that. I'm like, why? I'm still doing paleo. You know, what's, what's the problem? And, and the, it was then a little, the symptoms were actually were getting worse when I started keto, because in particular with keto, you know, everything is nut-based, you know, all the treats, nut butter, mm -hmm. uh, nut flour, almond flour, you know, all of those things that are considered, you know, healthy or keto-friendly, low-carb, what have you, it made everything worse. And then I realized, you know, just because my initial goal with adventuring into that whole paleolithic eating was to mimic the diet our ancestors had. Mm -hmm. fat bombs keto cupcakes <laughs> none of that they would have you know that's all those foods didn't exist until a few years ago right and so i realized that just because something fits within a certain narrative doesn't necessarily mean it's good for me or good for anyone else for that matter and so you know by removing all of those things and really going back to okay what are the foods that i can hunt 
or gather myself, you know. And yes, there are, you know, you can get nuts from the outside, but, you know, eating a couple of nuts is different to eating nut butter, which has concentrations of all of the, not only the nutrients, but also the anti-nutrients, you know, and, and maybe the, you know, inflammatory fatty acids that, you know, nuts are more rich in than maybe, you know, animal-based fats. Mm-hmm. And all of those things, and I'm like, wow, this is, you know, it, 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 it's more important to, not to you know adhere to a certain dietary framework, but just to eat what comes naturally to us. What is it that we have naturally access to? You know, if I go outside and I can hunt a deer, I can get you know raspberries. I can get you know maybe collect some nuts, whatever. Maybe get find some carrots. And if you do that, I think you're way better off than you know following a specific dietary pattern, which might include things that we just made up, you know, for the sake of convenience or taste or what have you. Yeah. So for those listening that have irritable bowel, it's as simple as like not taking all the almond flour and all these crazy ingredients and making this really, like you said, anti-nutrient cupcake that's supposed to satisfy some sort of craving. Instead, maybe you need just a really big spoon of honey or some fresh squeezed orange juice or something you Mm -hmm. can make right in your kitchen Mm -hmm. for that sweet treat, you know? So I really love that you are talking in terms of seasonally and approaching it from like how I tell my clients is like, go to the grocery store and pretend you're out in the wild. Like don't buy any anything that you couldn't actually collect Mm -hmm. in the wild or maybe take a month off from the grocery store and go to your library and Mm -hmm. learn how to forage and see what all you would eat. I mean, that'd be like one of the best diets somebody could do is like, I'm going to take 30 days and live off of whatever's around me. And you're probably not going to have a lot of calories Mm -hmm. because it's very, it's very fibrous, you know, good quality Mm -hmm. carbs and then meat that you're going to have access to. So anyway, that's actually, yeah, go ahead. A funny example, you just said it. We watched um, not too long ago an episode of Alone, 100 Days in the Arctic. Oh. Uh, have you seen that show? It's, I think it's on, on, on Hulu no. or whatever. And so basically what they send a couple of people, everyone is alone, but there is, you know, it's somewhere in the Arctic and it's in, in uh, fall, approaching winter. And so you have to survive by yourself. You can bring 10 survival items and you have to survive for 100 days. So you have to build shelter, you have to hunt, you can forage, you can do whatever you want to. Just try to survive or tap out. <laughs> and every single one, and there were apparently a couple of vegans on the show as well. It didn't make it very long. But oh, yeah. every single, I mean, and not all of those were carnivores or, you know, particularly meat eaters that participated in the show. They were just regular, you know, survival people, outdoorsy people, what have you. Some military uh, people, special forces, etc., and every single one said, you know, I what I need is I need fat and I need animal protein. You know, those few berries that I could collect here and the moss that I could scrape off a, a rock or whatever. This is not going to cut it. Once it gets cold, you know, I need fats. Not even you know finding ra- or hunting rabbits was enough because rabbits are so lean yeah. that they wouldn't have enough fat to give you enough energy. Because if you think about it, protein is structure. Carbs and fat are the sources of energy. You need either or. In right. winter, when it gets cold, or even out in the wild, I mean, chances are, unless you find some mushrooms, maybe some berries, you're not going to find enough to satisfy your caloric needs just in carbs. Mm-hmm. You need fat. Where does the fat come from? Not from the nut butter that grows on trees. You have to hunt animals, right? You have to get organs. You have to get, you know, their fat and stuff. And that was such an eye-opener because anytime someone tells me, oh, but, you know, this or that is fat or be plant-based or whatever, I'm like, 
just go into the Arctic for 100 days and you tell me then, you know, what you ate and how you survived. It's not going to be your spinach and your kale, you know, I'm pretty sure of that. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in fact, I think I, I haven't pulled up the study yet, but I heard someone else mention that plant protein, plant-based protein is actually only like, I think, 60% bioavailable by the gut, whereas animal-based protein yeah. mm-hmm. is 90%. So, yeah. I mean, that stands to reason why, you know, we want to include those animal proteins as much as possible. Now, yeah. shifting gears and talking, going back to sleep, because you were talking all about sleep and I'm with you. If I don't eat enough mm-hmm. during the day and especially get some glucose during the day uh, I wake up at night and my body's like you're gonna I need something you know so um, but you have an interesting uh, video on how body temperature affects sleep and obviously Mm -hmm. we know that body temperature relates to thyroid too so tell us about that body temperature and sleep yeah so for you know most of my life I I went through you know waking up in the middle of the night being either too hot or too cold depending on where I would sleep and you know uh, if in a hotel, you know, you can obviously turn on the AC, but then the covers are so thick and it was, it's always a battle for me because I tend to sleep, I tend to run hot. Yeah. Generally, I sweat a lot mm-hmm. and I'm just warm more often than I'm cold. And so before we introduced, you know, temperature as a factor in our, in our sleep, we would just have, you know, regular mattress and, you know, especially when we came to in, sleeping in Austria, because I'm from Austria, that's where I grew up. So sleeping there is a little bit different because everyone has their own, even if you have like a, a larger bed, everyone has their own cover, you know, or sheet or whatever. There is all like king size thing where, you know, everyone yeah. pulls on, on each side to get, you know, enough, enough of the sheet and stuff. It's so brilliant. I don't know why one... we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. And you, you don't tuck it in either. So your right. feet are actually free and don't get like, you know, toes don't get pushed down. It's yeah. so many funny things that I learned here in the US that people do for <laughs> reasons I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but typically what I've learned here in the US, you have 500 pillows in your bed, you have different layers of sheets, you have like a sheet and you have like a duvet cover and then you have a comfort or whatever. So many layers that, you know, chances are you're going to sleep hot unless you remove everything and you just sleep with your sheet. But the thing is the body changes temperature before you fall asleep and then throughout the night. So you're not always... You don't always have the same temperature. Your body needs to drop its core temperature by about two degrees Fahrenheit before you can fall asleep. So that's something if you're way too hot going too bad, you might have trouble falling asleep. Mm-hmm. But then your, your temperature drops and then it warms up again in the second half of the night. So depend, and, and I've noticed it very often in the beginning, I would be too hot and then I'm too cold or vice versa. And I have to like, you know, uncover, recover, uncover, recover. And all of that is obviously disruptive to your sleep, right? And then, um, you know, turning on the fan was, you know, the most obvious solution for us, turning on the AC if it was too hot, but you know, that has obviously it cools everything or the fan isn't super effective. It doesn't really cool anything. It just gives it the appearance that you're a little cooler, Mm -hmm. Um, but it doesn't change the temperature in the room and turning on the AC, you know, unless you and your partner, if you have one, are on the same page, you know, you might be fine, but someone, the person next to you is too cold or, you know, there are issues associated with those, you know, system-wide approaches. And so we discovered that by controlling actually the surface of your mattress in terms of temperature, you can, you can support your body in those temperature changes. So you can say, okay, to fall asleep, I want to have a certain temperature that's, you know, keeps me cool. But then as I get colder maybe in the second half of the night or if I warm up in the second half of the night I'm going to change it a little bit so you always have the perfect temperature and you're never too hot and you're never too cold 
And since we introduced that concept of a temperature controlled sleep mattress or mattress, our sleep has dramatically changed in terms of, you know, waking up in the middle of the night because it's too hot or too cold or just being uncomfortable. You know, sometimes I, I remember from the past I would wake up and I'm, you know, I'm sweaty. I'm way too hot and I have to uncover, way to cool down. And then again, later on, I would be too cold. And, you know, it, it's just a mess. And if you have never, I think, experienced a controlling your temperature or controlling the surface of the mattress during sleep, I mean, you're, you're, I think you're missing out. That's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how I could ever go back to not having that. And of course, we, when we travel, we have exactly that problem. And it's always, I'm like, oh, you know, nice hotel and everything, but it's a regular mattress. So we're going to be hot or we're going to be cold. So people don't even think about, don't know. I didn't know until I, you know, discovered solutions to that problem I didn't know existed. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's an interesting thing, because I'm kind of leery of smart beds and smart technology, because I'm really sensitive to EMF. So I'd be curious to know yes. how, mm -hmm. how it affected if you were able to measure it all. But also, you got me thinking, I think Europeans have a little better sleeping ideal than Americans, because when <laughs> I was in Norway and Germany, like you said, when you got to your little Airbnb, your bed had one little comforter on each side and it wasn't right. tucked in and it was just one blanket uh, and you didn't have 50 and you didn't have 50 different pillows. Yeah. And that's how I sleep now. Be ever since I got mm -hmm. back from that trip, and this has been three, yeah. almost four years ago, I sleep on top of just a flat mattress with a blanket on me. Like I don't have mm -hmm. even a comforter. I just have my grandma's yeah. afghan that she made for me. My grandma made me mm -hmm. an afghan when right. I was a teenager, and mm -hmm. I just sleep with that and a pillow. Mm -hmm. And that keeps right. me regulated. I think the idea of having too much stuff around us. I think just simplifying it like the European bed would actually solve a lot of sleep yeah. problems too. Do you felt do you feel like you slept pretty good in Austria compared to the kind of bed system of the US? You know, I, I honestly I don't know because the thing is if you you know if you would have asked me 20 years ago how do you feel I would have said great, you know, because I didn't know any better. Okay. Um and and I don't, in particular, as far as sleep is concerned, I never paid much attention to sleep, the quality of my sleep or sleep consistency. So I would guess I probably didn't sleep great, um, but I was also younger. And I think when you're younger, you get can away. get away with a lot of things and, you know, be fine. <laughs> um, but the older you get, the more you, you realize that, hey, you know, this doesn't really sit well with me or I can't do this anymore. Um, so... I think I don't think I slept ideally um, or ideal. I didn't sleep terribly, but it could have been better. But as you said, you know, we only had, you know, there was one sheet, there was no AC, so we were used to, you know, a constant temperature that was typically the same as on the outside, you know, unless it was winter. <laughs> um, so in summer, in particular, you know, be it outside or inside of the home, it was warm. You know, and you, I guess you just get used to that in here, you know, you step into your home and suddenly there's a 20, 30 degree, you know, temperature difference. Um, and I think that also messes you up or can mess you up. Um, but regarding the EMFs, that's, that's actually a very good point because you mentioned initially, I also, you know, I'm a technologist, but I also, I've actually moved away from technology over the past couple of years uh, in various areas. Because of, you know, we are polluting ourselves with, with radiation that we don't fully understand yet what the long-term impact 
might be, you know. And so in terms of the bed cooling solution, the the part that goes on the mattress doesn't have any wires or anything, or it doesn't produce any EMFs. Um, but the unit that controls it on the side, that does. So you, okay. you you need to have a some separation in terms of distance, and then you can cover it also. You know, for example, we have a, an EMF where I use an EMF blocking blanket actually as a yeah. part of my my sleep setup. So my body is covered. You know, my head is not, but at least the rest of my body is covered. And you could you know throw the same over you know the unit if you wanted to to prevent it from radiating towards the bed. But that's a good point. Um, you don't want to have anything. Obviously, you don't want to sleep on something that emits electromagnetic fields or radiation. That would be, I think, severely counterproductive yeah. <laughs> to improving your sleep. Yeah, no, a really good point. I'm glad that you were able to test that keeping it farther away, we got to just keep the little mm. monitor away, but the bed itself doesn't have that. So um, yeah. going into the EMF and how it affects your health, what have you found? Like you said, you were into technology, but now you're kind of backing off and learning about EMF. Have you seen a difference in your health by doing that? You know, I, I'm doing so many things all the time <laughs> that it's sometimes difficult to pinpoint what exactly is making an improvement versus what is not. But I think and, you know, every time someone asks me, you know, you know, I'm I've this or that, you know, what can I do to, to fix the problem? Mm -hmm. I think instead of looking at it, potential issues individually, you really need to look at your exposure to all the stuff that's not good for you, you know? So, you know, consider it like, you know, a glass, you know, if that glass is already full because of, you know, bad diet, poor sleep, EMFs, um, chronic stress, I don't know, whatever it, it might be, then any little thing on top, you know, is going to cause an issue. You know, it's going to cause maybe your immune system to respond or to remain active over extended periods, causing chronic inflammation, all of those things that are, you know, then leads to, to potential issues, mm -hmm. uh, chronic disease, what have you. EMFs, I think, are, are just one of the many puzzle pieces that you need to look at. And my goal with everything I do is to remove as much of those potential issues as possible you know to go to get as, as, as much back to a life that our ancestors would have lived mm -hmm. uh, without completely removing ourselves from society because ultimately you know, if you really want to go back to the roots you know you're going to live somewhere in the six you don't have a computer and a cell phone and most people you know probably don't want to do this you know and, and i and i get it but you need to, you know, make sure your glass is not full to the rim all the time because every, every single misstep that you take from that point forward might then cause an issue. And then, you know, it's not, oh, it's your diet or, oh, it's your sleep. It's probably all of that combined, you know, and you need to get back to a reasonable baseline that allows your body to deal with all of those issues because the human body is resilient. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here, right? Um, but only to a degree. And you know, if you push it too far, you're gonna end up with issues. And unfortunately, just you know, by looking around and, and looking at disease statistics and everything, most people are pushing it too far, you know, and that's because of our modern life that have that has introduced so many things that are completely foreign to us from a metabolic and biological perspective you know i mean evolution has taken on every little change in, in, in human diet in the, throughout the course of evolution might have taken thousands of years you know the transition from from scavengers to hunters you know none of that happened overnight or within a hundred years 
But if you look at the foods that most of us consume today or the EMF that we are exposed to, those are all incredibly new occurrences, you know, within maybe the last 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, maybe, you know, our bodies don't adapt to that stuff that quickly, as, as far as I know, you know. And so I think that's really the issue. And EMFs, again, I've, we've never fortunately so far suffered from any, you know, severe issues other than the IBS that I mentioned before. So I can't really tell by reducing our exposure, by doing all the things that we've done, like, you know, putting the stickers on my AirPods so I can, I know I see you use the cable, which is the safer, even the more the safer way to do it. Um, but doing all those little things, I can't really tell at all. You know, suddenly I have energy again, or I'm, you know, I'm healed of whatever disease I might have had. I've been fine, you know, mostly for for most of my life. But um, I think overall, I'm just I'm 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 healthier. I'm happier. I'm I think I'm I'm enjoying life more by just being closer to how, you know. I, I we should be living versus trying to you know spin the hamster wheel and, and do what everyone else is doing you know drink out of you know plastic bottles and be on the phone all the time and not out in nature and not understanding where food comes from and just you know eating you know the subway sandwich every day for 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 lunch instead of you know real food right so no i love that and i was a long-winded answer to, <laughs> to a short question but that's kind of no, it's so true. Like what you said, it's like we can be in the modern world, but we don't have to do all of those modern things because we could actually mimic a natural environment, but we just have to be cognizant enough to do it. So you can eat the world's best diet and do the world's best exercise program, but still be toxic and harming yourself daily yeah. with, you know, chemicals and glyphosate, but also microwave sickness. I mean, being next to mm -hmm. these microwave um, signals yeah. from our devices. I mean, this is a documented published research study of microwave sickness or exposure to too much mm. non-native EMF. And this is the one, yeah. one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you because you are, you are very prone to tell people, you know, this is what we have to do. We have to mitigate, like you said, the cup or what I call the stress bucket. Even if it's mm -hmm. as simple as turning your Wi-Fi off at night and turning your Bluetooth off yeah. when you're not using it and turning Alexa and Google off when you're not using it and looking up on, if you pull up your Wi-Fi and you've got 65 other Wi-Fis coming on, you might mm -hmm. go, hmm, things that make you go, hmm, I might want to think about moving because... I'm getting all yeah. this constant radiation. And even if my life is free and easy and good, I have all these other stressors filling up my stress bucket that I can address. I can yeah. do something about it. And that's what we have to do is right. mitigate that, yeah. that um, unnatural environment and try to make it as natural as possible. And so, yeah, yeah. These, we've got smart devices. I mean, there's diapers now that will tell your phone when your baby's wet. You could just feel the diaper and find out. Yeah. It's like, all of these things are affecting bees, they're affecting birds, they're affecting um, natural natural environments. And, and our heart, people don't remember that our heart is conductive. And so when we're sitting mm -hmm. with a laptop in front of us or a tablet or even the phone right here, it's connecting and signal, sending mm -hmm. the wrong signals that could cause heart palpitations, that could cause heart malfunctions because we are electric beings. And so we have to be careful with these electronic triangles or rectangles that we have in front of us all the time. I always say we're get out from behind the rectangle and go and live life, you know? So yeah. that, that's why I was so excited that you're as passionate about that as well. So as far as like EMFs um, that you've 
you've kind of mitigated how what do you do during the day to to deal with some of our exposures to 5g and to wi-fi and to bluetooth mm-hmm. yeah so you know especially during or at night i turn off everything that i can so mm-hmm. I, on my phone for example I, I have an iphone and i use siri shortcuts one of apple's automation capabilities that are baked into the operating system to automatically turn off or turn on airplane mode mm-hmm. and turn off bluetooth and wi-fi um, at 8 p.m. and turn it back on in the morning when I get up. Nice. Um, you know, that's very simple fix. I mean, ideally, you, you don't even need your phone, you know, next to you. I just have it in case, you know, there's an emergency or something. But I've also started just leaving my phone in the office because mm-hmm. what do you do first thing in the morning, you know, what do you tend to do? You know, grab your phone. Right. You know, is that really the first thing that you want to do in the morning? Yeah. You know, probably not. And um, so that's one thing. I, I use a similar shortcut actually um, to turn on my to turn my screen red in the evening. So you know, you mentioned blue light before. Um, you know, we try to turn off lights um, at night that we don't need. We use more candles. Um, and you know, I'm now looking if if I can find some old you know incandescent light bulbs uh, that I don't usually sell here anymore. But um, that that's another thing that we are trying to to do to avoid blue light. But in terms of EMFs, we have a um, a little cage on our smart meter, which is actually right behind this wall here behind me, sure. um, like a Faraday cage, you know, mm-hmm. to prevent some of the, because that is a, a huge source of EMFs. If you I use my meter just to check it out, and that's definitely the, the highest anywhere in the house, just from this smart meter uh, close to my office wall here. Um, then, you know, as I said, I use a blanket for sleeping that covers my entire body. Um, one thing that I haven't done it, but I'm going to shortly is there are, you know, fabrics on like shirts that are EMF blocking yeah. that you can just, you know, wear if you sit in front of the computer all day, you know, and even if you have to wear a suit or whatever, you know, use it as an undershirt and, you know, sure. you're at least that part of your body, including your heart, you know, is protected or at least gets less of that radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, stickers on, I have a, a sticker on my phone. If I put it in my pocket, the site that, you know, touches my thigh or whatever, you know, is, is protected. So the, all the radiation goes away from my body. The same is with my AirPods here. There are stickers around, so it only goes to the outside, but not, you know, through my skull. Um, simple things like that, that, you know, you can really do, you know, immediately. And it doesn't cost you a lot to, to do that. But as you said, you know, one of the most effective things is, you know, turn off Wi-Fi when you don't need it. You know, I, we have a smart home that I kind of regret now that we even got into where, you know, most of the light switches and I can say, hey, you know, smart assistant, you know, turn on or turn off the lights, which is super convenient. But it also means, you know, that you need Wi-Fi. Otherwise, the stuff isn't working. Yeah. And, you know, I told my wife whenever we, you know, move and build our own home or whatever, um, we're going to go back to regular light switches, you know, or, you know, candles or I don't know, something that's, you know, not LED, that's not, you know, modern, just, you know, back to the basics. You know, if the sun is down, then, you know, and we have candlelight. And if we don't have candles, well, then let's go to bed. You know, if the sun is down, you're supposed to be sleeping, you know. (laughs) No, I love that you use candles. That's brilliant. And and it's so soothing at night, too. I like to do that, too. Mm -hmm. And going back to your light bulb thing, you might check out Swanwick Sleep because they make anti-blue light bulbs and so I, they're mm-hmm. not full, they're not like incandescent but they're anti-blue light so they have no mm-hmm. blue light yeah. in them. so that's a that's a mm-hmm. nice thing too i have their little night light yeah. in the kitchen in case anybody needs to get up in the night but yeah it's, it's so interesting. 
Yeah, it's so interesting that it, we became a culture that it was hard to turn on a light bulb. Like, it's hard to flick that switch, mm. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, but yeah. it's not just that. It's, it's the modern world catches up with you. You know, you've got all these great devices mm. that make life seem easier, but yet it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of yeah. our you know, I like to vacuum mm -hmm. my own floor. I don't need the Roomba to do it for me on a Bluetooth timer mm -hmm. that tells it when to go. Right. I, I like mm -hmm. to keep things, you know, I have my Jeep has crank down windows. I don't even have power windows because right. I'm all about like, right. go back to like less is more and keep it simple because right. it, it's all these little things like we, we've been talking about that just keep that stress bucket lower and lower. And, mm -hmm. and then the things that we can't control, like if we do have Wi-Fi right next to us and we can't move or you live in a home that at one point in time you wanted it to be a smart home and now you don't. Okay, so we'll just dial in what we can dial in and that's mm -hmm. one less exposure. So now as far as like yeah. mitigating it naturally, do you like, it seems like from your videos, you really like to be outside in the sunlight and yeah. I'm assuming you like grounding and earthing. So tell me like yeah. your outdoor exposure. Yeah, so my outdoor exposure starts really in the morning. So I start my day in the office, so to say, on my on my patio and you know soak in the, the sunrise. You know, first so actually I, typically I'm out when it's still dark and then I you know I listen to the, the chickens going nuts in the coop, you know, waiting for the door to open and and you know the sunrise coming up and you know that's that's how I start and then typically I go down barefoot and then play with the dog, you know. Um, and then we you know we either go work out or we might have breakfast if we have early breakfast um, and then during the day you know at, at least once or twice a day um, I go outside and I just sit in the sun you know I take off my shirt and expose as much of my naked skin without sunscreen or any other toxins mm -hmm. um, you know to the sun and, and, and just you know we're not in the woods but we are in a, you know we have a lot of trees around it's a, a very natural kind of you know environment where we are and you know I just enjoy that I listen to all the sounds you know I, I you know I try to do nothing and think about nothing and just, you know, be present. I guess that's really one of the things that, that I not really lost, had lost in the past, but that was more and more difficult for me because of, you know, everything is, life is busy and you know, everyone's life is busy and mm -hmm. we are less and less present, be it with kids, be it with animals, be it, you know, just with ourselves, you know, just to have a moment and think about what am I doing, where am I heading, and is this really the way I want to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I take the time during the day, usually around noon when the sun is strongest, you know, I'm out without sunscreen, uh, never use sunscreen, um, in the afternoon again, and then, you know, I typically take the dog for one or two walks, you know, and with a nearby wood trail here where I go, and, you know, watch the deer, you know, running by and all, and, you know, the more and more I'm not at home, I think the better... And I, I really like my home, you know, not, don't get me wrong, but the more and more I'm on, I'm on the outside in nature, the better I feel, mm -hmm. you know, the better I sleep. And my wife has noticed exactly this. And the other, she came to me, you know what, anytime, you know, I'm out with the kids at the pool or whatever, and I spend three, four hours in the sun, you know, I sleep better. I'm like, yeah, that's because, you know, sunlight impacts our circadian rhythm, you know, and be it the morning sun, be it the evening sun, all those different frequencies that, you know, you see from morning to the evening, you know, they all have an impact to varying degrees on, on our cellular activity and our sleep and everything that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you're outside, you're less exposed to EMFs, at least not to landmade ones. Yes, there might be a power line, there might be, you know, a cell phone tower. But fortunately, we don't have either of those two in close vicinity. So...
That's great. I love what you just said. It it seems like so simple for people to listen to just starting their day outside, taking those breaks throughout the day if they are working at home or working in an office where they can step outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like it's rocket science, like you're asking a lot of things of someone to mitigate some of that in EMF, but it's as simple as, you know, maybe don't start right away on your phone, maybe start outside in nature and maybe Mm -hmm. throughout the day, if you have to be on devices, just simply step outside and put your feet on the earth for just a couple minutes before you have to go back to right. just those little things mm. it goes back to that here's your stress bucket getting a little lower a little yep. lower, a little lower mm. you know so i think that's so easy and accessible for people that are listening to this to just start to implement and then there's extra things that are free that you can do like you you like cold plunging i saw a video on that yeah. as well so <laughs> tell me about that yeah, I got into uh, cold plunging a couple of months ago. I mean, I always knew that, especially in you know Scandinavian countries, you know, sauna and cold plunging are a big thing. Um, and I've done saunas in the past and when I grew up in Austria, but never quite uh, the cold plunging. Um, and so I, I got into that and I, I, I felt that by exposing myself to this positive stressor, um, by having my body kind of go into an alarm reaction, by getting into a sympathetic overdrive, where I'm like, get out of this, you're going to die if you stay here. You know, that's the natural reaction when you expose yourself or immerse yourself in, in cold water, be it, you know, just turning on the cold shower and, and, and walking into it, or really go to getting into a, a cold plunge. And one of the things that I have learned is to control my breathing and thus my stress. Mm-hmm. So getting in and and just focusing really on on your breathing and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And you realize two things. A, you can control how your body responds to stress. You can, you know, calm yourself down. You get more into parasympathetic mode. You know, you, you go away from that sympathetic fight or flight response and you go back to, you know, your baseline. And also that you can really endure incredibly uncomfortable things and temperatures in particular. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's beneficial for a couple of reasons because, you know, we are typically so comfortable, you know, it's climate controlled home, you know, climate controlled car, you know, if we are outside for two minutes, oh, we are sweating, we need to get in somewhere because I can't you know, deal with the heat or the cold in winter, whatever the case might be. But ever since I've started exposing myself to those more, quote unquote, extreme temperatures, be it, you know, on the cold side with the cold plunge or on the warmer side with the sauna, I now feel fine in in you know just outside you know it doesn't matter if it's hot or if it's cold you know i i I got used or i was exposed to worse you know typically the winters here are not so cold that would you know mimic an ice bath um and i'm typically not naked when i'm outside you know whereas i am kind of in 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 the cold plunge I, i really got used to those extremes and allow my body to just be more comfortable in those extreme environments and also learn how to to control my stress and my stress response. And that's really something I believe we can all benefit from because we are stressed or there are stressors everywhere, be it at work, be it with the kids, be it you know, home, family, what have you. There's always a potential to get stressed. And if you understand, first of all, identify when you get stressed and then be able to respond to it in a way that lowers your stress levels i think it's super beneficial um and it, it has really helped me in, in other parts of my life where i'm like okay i'm gonna get stressed but okay if i just focus on breathing for a few you know seconds i can get back to baseline 
and then you know fix the problem or whatever that you know I need to do to move on. I think that's brilliant because it's it really goes back to choosing habits that make you more present like you said like being outside you're not outside like flipping on your phone through facebook first thing in the morning you're listening to the chickens you're watching the sun come up so you're present with that timer if you're playing with your dog you're with your dog or if you're playing with your kids you're with your kids we're not doing we're not trying to multitask you had mentioned a while back that time seems to be going by faster and i think it's how we're spending our life like i think we're spending our life trying to do so much at one time that we're running out of time to do everything whereas if we'll take a step back and simplify yes our environment but also simplify our time and go this is the time I Mm -hmm. spend with my kids this is where I'm not on a device this is the time when I spend with my spouse where I'm not on a device this is the time when I spend outdoors by myself just being present with nature Mm -hmm. and experiencing things that help us strengthen I mean there's some controversy on cold plunges whether it's a stressor to the body so you're adding one more stress so yeah of course somebody with a high stress if their elevated cortisol and adrenaline is sky high maybe they don't want to jump in a cold plunge maybe they want to take a step out of the constant air-conditioned environments of like you mentioned their house their car and constantly Mm -hmm. trying to be comfortable to get a little uncomfortable and feel their body and and then adapt like we have a free sauna outside right now if you step outside my house or my camper i'm a full-time camper if you step outside right now it's 100 degrees so i i have my own free sauna now so I go sit out there and I'm just like I'm just gonna sweat because if I had a sauna that's what I'd Mm -hmm. be doing I'd be in infrared heat and I'd be sweating and the sun is infrared and I'm outside sweating so you can actually make the best of it and make it like a therapeutic it's full spectrum right yeah (laughs) and those cold plunges if we didn't have a hot water heater chances are we're going to be going in the local river that's flowing really fast and cold to get clean because you don't want to go sit in a stagnant body of water to get clean so I think it's just thinking in terms of how can we mitigate this man-made environment and make it more natural and help ourselves grow, not just by lifting weights and growing muscles, but grow internally. Like I can, I can drive down the road and not use my air conditioning and just roll down my window Mm -hmm. and get that hot air blowing on me. Cause before the invention of air conditioners in cars, people just rolled down their windows. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think we've almost become too comfortable and too expectant that life should be comfortable. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and the the problem really is that, you know, whatever, if, if you don't, is my dog coming in the picture? Oh, yeah, we're dog friendly here. It's okay. <laughs> He's like, I want to play. Yeah. Um, I think we've the, the problem is if you know if, if you don't challenge yourself, be it mentally, be it physically, yeah. then you deteriorate, right? And a great example is, I mean, there's a reason why why astronauts, you know, in the ISS, they do resistance training because if they don't their bone tissue, their muscle tissue deteriorates and they come back and can't walk, right? Mm, yeah. And that's just, you know, a very obvious example, but it's the same with if you never expose yourself to those natural and environmental stressors, be it cold, be it heat, be it, you know, lifting heavy stuff uh, if you need to, or, you know, sprinting by running away from something, you know, yeah. then you're going to deteriorate in those areas and you don't want that. You want to, you know, get stronger, more resilient, ideally, or at least maintain what you have. But if you just, if you're just comfortable all the time, you just sit around, you eat on the couch, you know, you, you don't move, you don't sweat, you do nothing. Your body deteriorates. Your body adapts to that. And unfortunately, 
that's not always a good thing. Yes, you want to adapt, but in the, you know, in the direction of getting stronger, fitter, you know, healthier, but not the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now, so we're going to shift gears one more time towards the end of this podcast here and talk about the liver, because our liver is our project manager, and it seems to be something you're pretty passionate about, because you actually have a supplement line that is a liver glandular, which I happen to be super impressed with, because your liver supplement is the first I've seen, maybe there's other out there, but that is in a glass bottle, not plastic, because golly, everything in our environment is plastic. Mm-hmm. And you even have a metal lid on your bottle too, on your side. Yeah. yeah. So tell, mm-hmm. let's talk about the importance of liver, taking in liver, because there is a lot to be said about this project manager in our body that by eating liver, we can actually enhance our own detoxification organ, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the main reason why I decided to develop this supplement is because I, you know, we've been taking multivitamins in the past, knowing that, you know, our food, be it, you know, even if it's organic, you know, fruits and veggies, they are not as nutrient dense anymore as they used to be. A lot of the organic berries, for example, they are grown in water and not in soil. So, you know, you could argue, yes, it's organic, but does it re- is it really as nutritious as something that grew in soil? I mean, soil is one of the, arguably one of the most important aspects of any, of growing anything, right? And the nutritious aspects of anything. Growing stuff in water with liquid fertilizers, you know, not so sure about that. But generally speaking, even the soil, you know, is not as, as good anymore as it used to be because of monocrops and the heavy use of pesticides and fertilizers and, and whatnot. And so... I said, you know, and plus, I don't eat a whole lot of plants, you know, and, and, pl- and plants are, in my opinion, not an ideal source of micronutrients because most of them are either poorly absorbed, they might not be existent at all in plants like heme iron or vitamin B12 or, you know, vitamin K2. You don't find that stuff in plants, right? So you need it from animal based sources. And liver happens to be organs in general, but liver happens to be one of the most, if not the most nutrient-dense food on the planet, containing, I think it's over 25 vitamins and and minerals and coenzymes and cofactors and peptides in the most bioavailable form. Mm -hmm. So if there is one thing, in my opinion, that you should be supplementing with or consuming, I mean, ideally, you know, you eat fresh liver. You know, I I eat raw liver a lot, but not, not everyone likes that, especially not raw, cooked, I don't like the taste very much, to be quite honest. I prefer it raw. But even cooked, there are not so many, or in any form, there are not a lot of people. People don't like the taste and texture. And, and I understand it's not the, you know, the, not the most palatable food on the planet if you grew up on eating you know, sugars and yeah. all of those hyper-palatable foods that you know, most of us are eating. Liver doesn't taste good for most people. And so I'm like, okay. It's important, but most people don't like it. Well, an easy way to get more liver into your diet is to freeze dry it and put it into a cap, the powder into a capsule, because it's tasteless. There is no texture. It doesn't really smell. I mean, you can. It's a little bit beefy, but it doesn't really smell bad, and it's very convenient. And by just taking a few capsules every day, you get your serving of fresh liver. You know, so if you eat, let's say, or if you take three grams of 
freeze-dried liver, it's the equivalent of one ounce of fresh liver. You know, putting liver into a capsule, it's super convenient for the kids and for everyone who doesn't like the taste to get liver multiple times a week. I typically eat it every day, even though I consume fresh liver as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is such a thing as maybe eating too much of certain nutrients, especially fat-soluble ones like vitamin A. Liver is very rich in vitamin A. Yeah. But the amounts that, you know, you would get from real food um, I've never seen anyone, you know, have an issue with too much vitamin A unless, you know, you eat like the liver of a seal or of a polar bear. You know, that might be a different story. But um, cow's liver or bovine liver is typically not an issue. And so that's why I decided, you know what, this is something I, I personally want to supplement with every day. I want my family to supplement with. And, you know, everyone who, you know, thinks they're not getting enough nutrients or that might not have, you know, the animal-based diet that we have mm-hmm. might benefit from that as well. So I came up with a supplement and one of the things, obviously, and I tried to find, first of all, um, manufacturing partners that could deliver the quality, you know, non-defatted, freeze-dried instead of heat-dried mm-hmm. um, from New Zealand cattle, because arguably, you know, the best cattle in the world comes from New Zealand. They can graze year-round. Here mm-hmm. in the US, it's still seasonal. Um, and all of the other factors I was looking for, and then uh, finally found that. And then the next problem was on finding someone who can do uh, glass bottles. And you'd be surprised; most manufacturing companies have no experience with bottling glass. They are, you know, because everything is is plastic by default. Right. Be it from the heat induction and you know the caps and everything, it's it, it was all a mess. So finally, I figured out someone who can do it. But I still had to source the bottles separately myself because I had no clue where to get them from. I had to get the lids from another manufacturing company, bring all of that together, super complicated. If I were just to go with plastic, it would be you know, super easy. Yeah. Um, but we decided we, we're gonna go, we want to go away from plastic. We want to do the glass and metal lids, do it the right way, the most expensive way, the most complicated way, also for <laughs> shipping because glass can break. You know, like right. a plastic bottle is not going to break. And, uh, but I think it's worth it. You know, it's, uh, if, if that means, you know, I have less margin um, because I obviously want to also have an attractive price point that it's not, you know, twice as expensive as some of the other products on the market. In fact, I think we are actually at or below yeah. because my product has 45 servings instead of 30. So you actually get 50% more product for roughly the same price. So all of that, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this because if someone, if there is one thing someone should be doing, in my opinion, is to include organ meats in their diet. If you don't want to eat them fresh, which is what I would recommend, um, you know, do it freeze-dried. And liver is really the, the baseline, in my opinion. There are other organs that you, I think you should be eating as well. But if there is only one organ, you know, you cannot have a second one, be it for budgetary reasons or other reasons, you know, make it liver, you know. And so having that supplement, the baseline, um, you know, I think is, is, is a good thing to a good point to start to really make sure you have all the nutrients and micronutrients particularly your body needs because from there it's much easier to fix other issues if you're deficient in certain nutrients your body's going to have a hard time repairing recovering and doing all of the other metabolic processes that are important you know to detox to you know do what you need to do to thrive at the end of the day and so that's in a nutshell why why i decided to start with beef liver and you know put out a a multivitamin at the end of the day with uh, from real food sources that you can actually absorb. You, you're not going to see your urine turn bright yellow because <laughs> of all the B vitamins from the synthetic stuff, you know, that gets flushed out and that your body cannot use. 
um, you know, give you stuff that your body can actually readily use and, um, and that's affordable. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like I can't tell you how many times as a nutritionist, I've had people go, well, can you recommend a good multivitamin? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to either give you cod liver oil or I'm going to give you a liver capsule <laughs> because yeah. uh -huh. those are, that's the ultimate. I mean, I just had Morley Robbins on the podcast and he was like, you really have to take something that is going to ensure that you're getting copper and vitamin A, which liver and cod liver oil, both are very rich store sources mm -hmm. of both of those and easy to take in. And yeah, yeah. if you don't want to eat them, I like eating liver. I don't like it. I haven't tried it raw. So that might be a little challenge. Right. I'll have you to like do. it better. <laughs> but I, I do like cooking it and mm -hmm. I like to eat it, but um, not very many people do. So I think the freeze dried options, probably a mm. really good thing to have on hand, especially like you said, if you're worried about toxicity, then just take it a couple times a week. Um, just to ensure mm. that you're getting the vitamin A constantly coming in. It's so important for the thyroid, so important for the skin and yeah. the health of your overall system, as well as that copper helping iron get oxygen into the cell. So, I mean, you can't go wrong taking this and done in a way that's really, you know, you went, you went to the nth degree and I always say you get what you pay for and you're not, you're not even at the price point where you probably should be with how much detail you mm -hmm. put into your product. So we'll have the link to your MK supplements, which is where your liver capsule yep. is. And you've been generous enough to uh, give to my listeners a 15% discount with the code Jodel15. So I appreciate that. So check that out in the show notes. And as we wrap up here, where can people see all of your great videos and where can they connect with you? How can they work with you? What's that look like? Um, yeah, so my blog, michaelkummer.com, uh, pretty straightforward, um, where you know, I publish what I know, basically, all the stuff that I find out, uh, things that I experiment with on my own or <laughs> with family members. I publish their products that I review. Um, I'm somewhat active on Instagram, um, record like, you know, reels and quick videos about, you know, tips or tricks or stuff that I do on the outside, be it with the chickens, with the bees, with the dog. We have a separate like homestead account where we show more about, you know, the gardening, the, how we care about uh, for the chickens and our bees, the honey extraction, all of those things, if that's something you're interested in. And then all the YouTube channel, as you mentioned before, uh, YouTube is still a little bit of a hobby in comparison to my blog. So I, I, I put stuff out there, but it's not nearly as polished, I guess, as, as my blog is. Um, and yeah, if you know you want to reach out to me, just go to my blog and you know shoot me a message from there. I also respond to all of my Instagram DMs um, every few days or so. I'm, I'm I'm not on there every single day, but uh, I typically respond to everything unless it's something inflammatory and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Michael, this has been great. And I, I know everybody's taken away a really great slew of information and tips from this. So I hope that it, I hope that it's very beneficial to them and to you as well. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time. I'll have all the links that you mentioned in the show notes and you guys be sure to check out his podcast on YouTube as well. So thanks so much for this. Um Thank you, Jill. I appreciate it. And go out time. with your dog now because he, she's been, he's been yeah. waiting for you. <laughs> One last question as I let you go. Yes. Um, what has been your exquisite moment today? Audrey Hepburn has a quote that says, I believe that every day should have at least one exquisite moment. What's yours been? One exquisite moment. That's a good point. Um, today, let's see what has today been. 
Um, I think today it was this morning when when my youngest one uh, came out and, and sat with me on the porch and and looked at the, the sunrise. I think that was that was pretty cool. I love when that happens. My daughter does that with me sometimes too. So very good. Well, go outside with your pup and enjoy your day. You. <laughs> <We're sure. laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. Every cell needs energy to perform and one way that I like to provide fuel for those cells and those little mitochondria in there is with methylene blue. Methylene blue is literally food for your mitochondria. It delivers oxygen into the cell on so many different levels and if you haven't tried it yet I want to tell you about the product that I love from Lifeblood. So their methylene blue, lifeblood.co's methylene blue is my favorite for purity reasons, for quality assurance knowing I'm getting a really great product. I did a podcast with the founder Adam Marafiotti so please check that out but also check out lifeblood.co and use my code joedell j-o-d-e-l-l-e to save on your purchase of their methylene blue product. I also love their magnesium. I love their magnesium powder that you make your own magnesium out of so check out all of their wonderful products and use my code to help you save. Methylene blue is also very anti-parasitic acidic, antiviral, antimicrobial. So methylene blue to the rescue. Get yours today. Light bulb moment. I have an idea for you. How about getting an anti-blue light light bulb? That's right. You could put these in your house at night and they would not allow any blue light after the sun goes down. I have these in my lamps and I really love them because it's like this amber glow at night that's not offensive to my melatonin at all. Now you may um, know that I'm kind of a blue light blocking glass junkie. In fact, when I'm not wearing this pair, I'm wearing this pair. Yes. And when I'm not wearing this pair, I might put on this pair. <laughs> and in case I don't want to wear my contacts, I actually have my prescription pair. Check that out. You can kind of see that it's different than the other lenses. This one's actually going to have my big thick Coke bottle glass prescription in there so that I can wear these and not have to have my contacts in at night. So yeah, I'm kind of a blue light blocking junkie, but what I'll say is that my sleep has never been better and it's as simple as putting on a pair of glasses or using a light bulb that blocks out the blue light at night or perhaps you want a little night light for your kids because here's the thing, blue light night lights actually cause myopia in children that's right they can become nearsighted if they're exposed to blue light after dark so getting one of these anti-blue light night lights for the kids or for yourself stick it in the bathroom stick it in the kitchen for those late night munchies which you shouldn't have if you're blocking blue light that's right blue light actually stimulates your cravings after dark so by wearing these glasses not only will you sleep better but you may not get those late night munchies that are so prevalent so fit for 10 that'll save you 10 percent off either your favorite pair of glasses or the really cool light bulbs and night lights Well, if you've listened to me at all, you'll know that I preach protein, and protein is the building blocks of every healthy cell in our body. 
and you need protein throughout the day to sustain really good healthy cell turnover. And I get asked a lot, what about if I don't have time for protein? I can't really get in a meat source. It's okay. I love a good whey protein and my favorite recently has been this grass-fed whey from Iconic Protein. I love their ingredients. I love that they use a monk fruit. It's simple ingredients. There's literally four ingredients in this protein powder and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. There's a lot of grass-fed protein powders out there that are like boutique-y and they're all about, you know, 50, 60, 70 dollars. No, this guy's going to run you less than 30 dollars. And with my discount code, you're going to get 15 percent off. So check out Iconic Protein. They also have, for those of you really on the go and you don't have time for anything, even blending up a protein drink, um, you can get their Immunity Coffee. Now, you know I love my coffee. And this Iconic drink is made with MCT oil and all natural ingredients. And it actually has a few vitamins and minerals that help with immunity. So this is something I'm going to grab. I'm going to add it to my coffee. Maybe I'm going to drink it on its own. It's a really nice way to grab and go. So for those of you that say, I don't have time for protein, now you do. Check out Iconic Protein and their Immunity Coffee as well as their different flavors of protein powder. And use my code JODELL, J-O-D-E-L-L-E, to save 15% off your Iconic Protein purchase. Hey guys, are you in the Midwest? Are you in the East Coast? Are you in Brazil? Are you in Asia? It doesn't matter where you are. I would love to work with you as your nutritionist. And so just to let you know, I offer nutrition consulting worldwide. You can work with me anywhere. I have clients all over the world and I love to spend time over the internet with each one of them, figuring out their specific needs. So your specific needs, what deficiencies are you having? What symptoms are you dealing with daily that we can address for you? So that's what I, as a nutrition detective, like to get to the bottom of. I ask you a ton of questions. We meet over Zoom or over FaceTime, whatever is convenient for you. And we discuss all of your specific needs. If you would like to work with me, just shoot me an email, getfitwithjodell at gmail.com. That's getfit. G-E-T-F-I-T-W-I-T-H-J-O-D-E-L-L-E at gmail.com and let's set up a 15-minute free call for you just to see if I'm a good fit for you as a nutrition therapy practitioner. Again, email me, getfitwithjodell at gmail.com and let's get you set up feeling better, lose that unwanted weight that you have going on lose those symptoms that you have hanging around and optimize your health as best we can.